Meleni is a community pastor at our uh, sister church, St. Richard's in Hollingdean. Uh, Meleni and Quinn and their three beautiful children have been in Hollingdean for um, just over two years and launching this church community in St. Richard's. And what is emerging there is just a little piece of heaven on earth. And one of the things that um, I feel like... Uh, perhaps God's been laying on my heart, is that we've got so much to learn from Quinn and Mileni, particularly in terms of the absolute fundamental significance of intimacy with God, of prayer. And Quinn and Mileni uh, worked for a number of years for the organization 24-7 Prayer, based out running the community in uh, Ibiza, and um, seeing God at work in all sorts of powerful ways. And so in some ways, as St. Matthias, with this 24 uh, hours of prayer, we're just learning all we can from St. Richard's, jumping off the back of their 24 hours of prayer so that we kind of uh, reflect in some of their glory. And so can we um, give it up for Meleni, who's going to speak to us this morning. I'm a little bit nervous and I've been drinking lots of water so my mouth doesn't go dry and now I really need to pee. (laughs) So you solve one problem and then you have another one. Um, Anyway, should we talk about prayer? Yes. Um, Let me start with a quote from the book of Psalms 108 by King David. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Humans that you care for them. And what David is asking here is, who is this God who has time to think about little me. The greatest scandal and most important work of prayer is simply this, to let ourselves to be loved by God. You are loved. And when we pray, we see ourselves as we really are from God's perspective. Very small, but also incredibly valuable. And yeah, like dust. But he has hidden redemption in us. And this is the most important discovery that you will ever make. How loved you are by your Father in heaven. And prayer is the discovery journey. In St. Regis, we are so excited about these 48 hours of prayer or 24-2. And ceasing prayer. Prayer is a vast topic, and we often talk about prayers of petition, prayers of intercession, confession, adoration. And as I've been thinking about this uh, prayer marathon that we're going to have, the Lord directed my thoughts towards two particular kinds of prayer. And it's prayers of adoration and prayers of confession. So I'm going to focus a little bit on those two this morning. Adoration and confession, a very powerful combo that can transform any prayer room into a power room and any prayerful life into a powerful life, adoration and confession. When, when I go on holidays to a rural area, I love to look at the night sky and I'm always surprised by its beauty. And 
so many stars, and I, I guess that I realized that one of, of the disadvantages to live in a city is um, that the city lights drown out the beauty of the sky above. And don't you think it's a very profound symbolism that artificial light will drown out heavenly light? Late bright office lights that leave us exhausted, shining advertisements fighting for our attention, and hypnotizing brightness of our smartphones. They all work together to convince me that the world from my tiny perspective is all there is. Spiritually speaking, we live in the big, bright, and busy city, and we are in danger of missing what David saw. Our lives against the backdrop of something a lot bigger than ourselves. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, who am I? And that's why in a couple of weeks, we are going to have 48 hours of constant prayer. Together, St. Richard's and St. Matthias, let's dim down the artificial lights that so easily distract us so we can reconnect with the maker of heaven and earth. He has so much to tell you. Let's try to readjust our vision of who he is so we can get a fresh, a fresh revelation of who we truly are and what we are to each other. But why pray? And I pray because I'm overwhelmed. You and I have been absorbed into a story of deconstruction that doesn't trust God anymore but has plenty of reasons to not trust people either. It doesn't matter if you are raising children, if you are a church leader, if you are unemployed, if you volunteer for a food bank, if you are a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, we all live overwhelmed lives. And the fruit of this story of not needing God or others that was supposed to free us has trapped us in a small, isolated jail cell of self-sufficiency, leaving us, to say the least, overwhelmed. If we are going to talk about overwhelmed people, let's talk about uh, this passage in Acts 16. I don't know if it's going to come in, uh, no yet, that one. Uh, but let me just uh, put it into context. Paul and Silas... Two followers of Jesus were on their way to a prayer room, to a prayer meeting, and um, they helped a girl who was being trafficked and desperate. The men using her for profit were not happy with Paul and Silas and wanted intervention in their business and managed to have them locked up, beaten with rods, and held in an ancient version of a solitary confinement with their backs pinned against the cold stone wall, with hands and ankles chained. And that's the picture for our story. Imagine how desperate, how scared, how overwhelmed they must have felt. And I'm struggling to think of an equivalent for us today in our country of the situation that they were in. But then verse 25 says, About midnight, 
Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Praying and singing. Have they gone totally crazy? Have they lost their minds? Maybe it's an aftershock syndrome after everything they've gone through. Or perhaps they understood something about the power of adoration. In this case, it's not just adoration, isn't it? It's defiant adoration. Adoration is not always the overflow of our hearts. In fact, it rarely is. Defiant adoration, and I love this, so pay attention. Defiant adoration is an act of rebellion against the empty promises of this world and defiance in the face of my circumstances. Real prayer flows from the posture of my heart before God, not from the reaction of my life to the circumstances or the world around me. And in one occasion, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. How do we do this? And uh, Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer that we sang so beautifully this morning. But there is one sentence in, in the Lord's Prayer that I've always overlooked. And if I'm totally honest, I don't think I fully understood. And it's the one that says, hallowed be your name. Have you thought about that? And uh, hallowed means uh, to make holy or to set apart. And the, the Lord's Prayer opens first with our Father, a beautiful reminder of God's intimacy to all of us as one family. Note the pronoun our, us as brothers and sisters. But then it's followed by hallowed be your name. That is a reminder of his separ separateness, his majesty, his greatness, his Power is such a contrast, isn't it? The intimacy and the power, so powerful and yet intimate. And I find this extremely interesting because have you ever noticed that the serpent's first attack in Genesis was aimed at Eve's belief in the character of God? When Eve gave into the serpent's game, she didn't only doubt who God is, she doubted her own identity too. When she thought of God as something less than a father, she in turn imagined herself as something less than a daughter. Adoration given to God is always given back to us. We read in Psalm 108, What is mankind that you are mindful of us, humans that you care for us? And then the next verse says, you have made them a little lower than angels and crowned them with glory and honor. Adoration to our Father, that's what we get back, our true identity. As we lift our eyes, recovering a true view of God's character, we also recover his view of us. So what are you going through at the moment that um, is leading you to question God's power or perhaps God's love for you? his character, his goodness, or how trustworthy he is? What, what jail cell have you or are you experiencing right now? That the idea of hallowing the name of God makes you even angry. Uh, a few of those jail cells that I have experienced in my own life is death of loved ones, um, loneliness, 
illness, marriage issues, financial troubles, mental health. Um, so what's your story? What, what are you dealing with? You know, I pray because I'm overwhelmed, but I also pray because I'm desperate. I'm desperate for the presence of God in me and around me. I'm desperate for his peace, his comfort in the middle of the pain and the mess. Hallowed be your name. It's a longing to see God here and now in all of his power. Paul and Silas started to sing and pray as a way of saying, Where are you? We need to see you. You are our loving father who promises to be a shelter in the chaos, the calm in the raging storm, freedom for the captives. So be who you say you are. Show yourself. Or at least that's how I translate the a cappella duet coming from the deepest jail cell. Prayers of adoration, the most potent kind. Hallowed be your name is always more powerful in the most unlikely places, in desperate places. Don't you resonate with that? But this story doesn't finish there. Verse 26 says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone, everyone's chains came loose. So how do you explain this? How do we get to experience that? We consider ourselves lucky if in our meetings or in our prayer times, you know, we get a little sense of the presence of God, but he wants to give you a lot more. He's here to show his power through the Holy Spirit to heal and restore what is broken in my life, in the life of those around me, in my community, in my city. And as we carry on reading, one thing led to another. And by the time the sun rose the following morning, the prison guard had experienced salvation. And his entire family had been baptized in his own bathtub. That's pretty cool. Let's read it. Verse 27. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, no, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their, their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. I love this. After hallowed be your name, we were taught to pray, your kingdom come. And that's what happens when we remember who God is. Paul and Silas, they opened their mouths to hallow in the midst of absolute mess. When they pray in a jail cell, they were dragging heaven into a dark corner of earth. And it changed everything. They invited the presence and power of God into the most hopeless situation. So how does this story challenge you or encourage you? 
because Ibsen Richards and Son Matthias joined forces for 48 hours and we hallow non-stop the name of God, what is, what is possible? Or what is impossible? Aren't you a little bit curious? I'm telling you, this could be a lot of fun. And just think about it. Chains being broken, jail cells, doors opened, families turning to Jesus, baptisms. Bring it on. After each 24 hours of prayer that we've run in St. Richard's, we've only done it a couple of times, we have experienced an afterwave effect of the goodness and favor of God with significant breakthroughs in lives, situations, and relationships. In the book of James, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Man, I want this. The power of adoration, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. But I can hear some of you thinking, but why do we need a prayer room? Can I pray from my house? And the answer is absolutely yes, and I hope you do, and often. Uh, but a prayer, room, um, a prayer room is nothing magical, but it's often an entry place for many people to learn, to stretch, and grow in prayer. And a thin space between heaven and earth. And there is something about coming to a designated place of prayer that invites people to draw apart from the world. Moving away from distractions, busy lives, all the voices in our heads in order to meet with God. It is a place where individuals, family, small groups can gather to learn how to seek his face. And where God is welcome to breathe into the lives of those who desire his presence. And as for many of you, this won't be your first time in a prayer space. But there is something that we've noticed from past experiences, and I want to share this with you. The creativity, the intimacy, and the presence of God in these prayer spaces have led people to have unexpected and profound times of confession and repentance. People can sometimes feel awkward when we do it all together here on a Sunday morning. Say, so, okay, let's have a time of confession. It's like, mm. um, but the privacy of a prayer room, it happens so naturally and so beautiful. And why is that? Picture yourself. We had two weddings in St. Richard's that this, um, this summer. So we've been dancing a lot in that place. So picture yourself at a wedding reception with a bunch of friends tearing up the dance floor to your favorite dance tune. If you're having that kind of night, confession is the DJ or the band slowing things down to the way you look tonight by Ed Sheeran. <laughs> and you think, okay, so that's where we're going now. So um, I'll take these next four minutes to go to the toilet or grab a drink. Why do we do that? Because a slow dance requires intimacy, right? getting uncomfortably close to someone that you may or you may not, uh, staring into someone's eyes, and we are not always ready for it. The prayer room offers the perfect spot for a slow dance with our Heavenly Father. Imagine that moment when everything fades away and it's just you and Him. When was the last time you had this kind of quality time with Him?
And our tendency is to assume that we are closest to God when things are going well. But the writer of the book of Hebrews seems to think differently. Jesus is closer to us in our weakness. For we don't have a high priest that is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one that has been tempted in every way, just as I have. Yet, he did not sin. He co-suffers with us. That's how he deals with our sin. That's what he did dying on the cross long time ago in my place. Co-suffering is what he does with me every day. The slow dance moments, moments of intimacy, moments of confession that give way to restoration is how we invite him in. And they are key for our spiritual journey. He's not repelled by my sin. He's drawn to it. Jesus runs to our weakness to meet us there like the father in the parable of the prodigal son. But we need to name it. We need to call it out. We need to confess it. And confession is how we turn to him and acknowledge his presence here with us. Not to judge us, but to rescue us. When I start naming the sin in my life, he can't bear to hold himself at a distance. He runs towards me. Sin. We don't even like saying that word, even less to hear it. Do you know what the meaning of this three-letter word is? To trust myself and not God. The jail cell of self-sufficiency that we talk about at the beginning, leaving us overwhelmed, convinced that we can't trust him or we can trust others, is when I pray, my will be done, no yours. So can I just make myself a little bit vulnerable for a minute? And I'm going to read to you my regular prayer of confession. Just trying to model something for those that are thinking, oh, confession just feels a little bit. This is a regular prayer of confession for me. So let me open my heart to you. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others. From the desire of being consulted, from the desire of approval, deliver me, O Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, deliver me, O Jesus. That others may be chosen and I set aside. That others may be praised and I go unnoticed. That others may be preferred to me. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Trying to humble myself, I trust you, Lord, to raise me in due course. Trying to empty myself, I ask you, Lord, to fill me with your spirit. And trying to surrender my selfish ambition, I ask you, Lord, to set my heart aflare with holy ambition. Amen. Confession comes in two parts, searching and naming. Searching is God's part. You know Psalm 139? Search me, O Lord. Know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts. And then the naming is my part. I'm proud. I lack humility, and I'm sorry. 
It affects my marriage, my relationship with my kids, my friends, my family, my workplace, and most importantly, my relationship with God. The desperate need of our time is not for successful Christians or popular Christians, but good, slow dancers. We are all far from perfect. And when we realize our brokenness, our two options are to hide, like Adam and Eve did when they realized they were naked with fig, tree, uh, fig uh, leaves, or the other option is we run to the Father. A maturing community is a confessing community. Not a church without sin, but a church without masks. Let me tell you, Prayer is often more about what you have become after you have finished praying than about the things that you are praying for. Prayer shapes us. So pray as you can, not as you can't. If an hour alone is too much, ask someone to go with you into the prayer room just for 10 minutes. If you don't know what to say, then just be and just listen. And somewhere along the way, I promise you, you will make the most important discovery of your life. The love the Father has for you. That discovery, it's God's end of the deal. Your part is just show up. Show up and keep showing up. That's the non-negotiable when it comes to prayer. And this invitation is for all of us. So, sign up for the prayer room. You won't be disappointed. But start figuring out what a regular rhythm of prayer may look like in your weekly routine. Keep alive this discovery journey. Pray as you can. It can be one minute. It can be five minutes. Some days. Every day. But above all, just show up. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done not mine.